0: And we had this kind of like call and response thing and I, you know, in uh, literal words, I said, dear Jesus, I think this like Jess actually knows what this is because I wrote it on something and it was like, I'll let you in love Rihanna. And it was like, (laughs) you know, this like totally in the moment kind of thing. And part of me thought that I would remain unchanged after that. And it was just, you know, I was caught up in the music and the dark lights and the emotive words and things like that. Part of me thought that I would remain unchanged after that. And another part of me thought that I would walk out of that room completely different. I would be different when I go to my touch football games and my job at the time and my friendships and people would see the difference. But actually... Neither of those things were true because for probably the next like six or eight weeks, I think, after that, after I made that decision, they were probably some of the worst weeks of my life internally and I, I felt like I kind of had this like completely like torn apart inner self where I didn't really fit into what my old life was anymore and I really struggled to find what you know I was wrestling with what I believed and who I was and then I really didn't I wasn't equipped enough to really fit into into this new life that I'd kind of made this decision to follow I knew that I had a new standard of morality I knew that I had a new worldview but the physical desires and the output of my life remain unchanged naturally because that is like how life works but what I didn't know that that was actually the start of my own spiritual formation and it was a difficult journey because it was tearing down a lot of suppositions that I had made over my 20 something years of life and reconsidering everything that I thought was foundational and that was where, where do I find my identity now? Who am I? What do I consider to be important? Who do I turn to for advice was a big one. Like whose opinion am I trying to seek now for that higher level of accountability for which I'm trying to live in? And now... I think it's maybe 10 or so years later, I can recognise when I start to lose step with the Lord and when I and when I step out of that like unforced rhythm of grace that Jesus talks about, because my old self starts to kind of take the driver's seat again and I start to notice things like my desires become fragmented, my attitude becomes really gross. I feel confined by the disciplines of Christianity instead of liberated and joyful in them. And I feel like that is the kind of scale that you might find yourself in this morning. Maybe it is wrestling for the first time, thinking, I thought this would be easier. I thought I would be able to, you know, make a decision in, on a beautiful Sunday. And maybe I feel like at peace on a Sunday morning. But then through the week, I just think, Who, I thought this would be smoother. I thought this would make more sense. Like, what am I made for? What is important to me? Or maybe you have found yourself like regressed somewhere along the way and that you have stepped away from the joy of your initial salvation. And it's, it's time perhaps to consider and look inward what has crept back into your life that you know that doesn't align with God's will? Where are you being called to dig deeper in your own spiritual formation? How has your prayer life been? And how is your attitude to the church? How are you loving others? What kind of attitude do you take when you read the, the, um, the Bible that commands you all of these things? Are you finding joy and liberation in them? Or are you feeling oppressed and like choked by them? Matthew 7, 17 says, A very good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. I feel like that's the tongue twister. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Does anyone want to come up and read this one? Please. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognise them. And so what fruit are we producing in our lives? And what parts of our lives need to be cut down and thrown into the fire? And that is the question to consider when we think about our spiritual formation. So as we begin, you're like, we've already begun, please. Can I invite you to pray a psalm with me? It's this like, it's a a beautiful psalm and it speaks to vulnerability and it's one that really comes alive when you approach it with faith. And I believe it will change how you hear this sermon. I believe how it will change how you view your own spiritual walk, how you view the season that you're in. and. I'll read it in the NIV and then I'm going to pray it from the Passion Translations. It's, it's uh, Psalm 139 verse 23 and it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So we're going to pray it now so you can close your eyes and I'll pray it over you. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through and find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. And that's our prayer this morning, church, that God would speak to each of us about our own spiritual formation so that we may experience conformity and transformation into the likeness of Christ. And when we're considering our own spiritual formation, we have to reflect and bring it right back to what is the most important thing? Where does our grounding come from? What is our gauge of morality? What is right or wrong? What is good and bad? Because in a time and a world where everything feels liquid and changing and um, intangible, we have to be able to come back to this place. And there's a story in the book of Mark in chapter 12 where a teacher asked Jesus this very question and it says, it goes like this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a very good answer, he asked them, "Of all of the commandments, Jesus, which is the most important?" "The most important one," answered Jesus, "is this: Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself Is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And then, and from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. And I find it so fascinating. That is a well versed scripture in church context, right? But I find it so fascinating. How easy it is to overlook that first line that Jesus speaks, and it's actually from Deuteronomy six verse four, and it says, "The Lord our God, the Lord is one." And the other guy says it back to him, He says, "God is one, and there is no other but Him." And at the time of the Bible, this was um, in ancient Near Eastern world, and all of Israel's neighbors lived there with or live their life with so many gods each with their own purpose and each with their own limitations and each with their own kind of like bracket of movement there was a god of fertility a god of rain a god of harvest and so naturally your life was kind of split into all of these different fragments and you know you kind of had to manage your account with all of these various gods and I can only imagine how chaotic this might have been like you would have to burn offerings for the God of fertility and then if you, you know... um gave thanks to the God of rain without remembering to um, pray to the God of harvest. You had all this rain and no harvest and it was kind of just like pointless because we don't even, you know, have all of these things sorted. And that was the way of life. And so this line here saying, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's speaking to the joy and the freedom that comes from monotheism, which is the belief that there is only one God, as opposed to polytheism, which everyone else was kind of living in at the time. And, you know, it is speaking to instead of feeling like every part of your life is pulling you in all these different directions and you consider how you're doing with this God and with that God and managing that over there and kind of kind of keeping up appearances with the religious people, you can only imagine the peace and internal revolution and the stillness that came with the good news that there is only one God. And He is a God that says in Deuteronomy 4.35, "...you were shown these things so you might know that the Lord is God and beside Him there is no other." And in Nehemiah 9, verse 6, he says, You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens and even the highest heavens and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all. In Psalm 86, that says, For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. In Isaiah 44, in Zechariah 14, on and on and on, this phrase and concept is repeated and mentioned so many times because it was so easy and so natural for God's people to fall back into the pattern of their culture and fragment themselves between different gods, regress back into their own ways. And of course, we don't live in a time right now where, um, you know, you might assume that people live in a polytheistic way, or, you know, we might not even assume that people live with a belief in a God at all. We kind of assume that people would be agnostic or atheist or whatever, but When you actually consider the pattern of our culture right now, 2024, perhaps it's actually easy to agree that we still live in a way that is very similar to thousands of years ago. We project these different versions of ourselves across different parts of our lives and, you know, we constantly keep up the struggle to try and manage it all. We give our first and best to making sure that we are getting our needs met and we hoard wealth and we chase careers. And, you know, surely we actually do live in a polytheistic society. We are fragmented, except the difference is that our gods today, they just, like, have better branding, you know, we um we're living under we're invited to live under the sovereign reign of the Lord God and that offers us an alternative to the impossible demands of our culture can you imagine the stillness and the revolution that might come by accepting the invitation that there is one god you don't need to worry about this and that and managing this and presenting that instead we are called to live under one god and to be a servant of the lord without context might seem suffocating but it is indeed liberation to the slaves that we become otherwise to the things of the world so if the lord our god the lord is one if that is true this morning how does your spirit feel about that or is there unrest and fractures in the way you live your life spiritually if the lord our god and the lord is one what is our response to that Well, Jesus says that it is to love that one God with all of our heart and all of our soul, all of our mind and all of our strength. And so what does that look like? Are we loving God with all of our heart and all of our soul? The Bible says that the heart is this notoriously fickle thing. It's mentioned over and over and over through the Bible. And Jesus says in Matthew 15, "...but what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart." You will find living within an impure heart evil ideas, murderous thoughts, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lies, and slander. And that is what pollutes a person. Our hearts have the the ability to pollute our whole person, but we are called to love this one God. And is the condition of our hearts this morning, church, divided between what you know God has for you and what you know God is calling you to be? and what your natural human desires draw you towards. Are they in unity and are they um, the same or are they torn apart and you're trying to manage both of them and keep up appearances for both of them and who you are on a Sunday morning is different to who you are on a Wednesday afternoon. Like The unity that comes from loving God with all of our heart must join and unify these and if it is bearing bad fruit, it must be cut down and thrown into the fire. Or perhaps you have experienced hurt and trauma that's prevented you from having a heart that is softened towards God and others. You may have been disappointed by someone you love, you may have been hurt by the church, or maybe you have felt that at some point in your life you've actually been let down by God himself. But a fundamental part of our Christianity when we choose to enter a covenant and we choose that love is guarding our own hearts. Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So when we enter a commitment to love someone, just like in a marriage or in a friendship, when we enter a commitment to love someone, it is our duty thereafter to protect and guard the love we have and not take it for granted and not dilute it and not let it run dry, not choose a fence first, not hold unforgiveness not hold bitterness but protect our heart protect the love and make a commitment to doing it and so the prayer we prayed before search me O god are you loving god with all your heart today or is there something that is fragmenting that and holding it back What about your mind? Are we loving God with all of our mind? Or do you have a collision of thought when it comes to your Christian walk? Can you identify some obstacle that every time you kind of try try and go deeper with God, something is stopping you or created this fragmented spirit within you? What does it look like for the Bible and dinosaurs? Is the earth a million years old or a couple of thousands of years old? What does it mean for this tragic suffering that is happening in the world right now? What about, you know, um, child mortality and all of these terrible things? What is happening in your mind that is dividing unity between what you believe from God and what you see with your eyes? Romans 11 teaches us that God is a being with intellect, and he has made this well-ordered universe. And I think that it is crazy the more, you deep into, the more you dive into that. The crazier it is that he invites us into sharing some of his wisdom. The wisdom that knows how grass works and the wisdom that created space. He invites us into that wisdom. And James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And if you are finding yourself to find this reoccurring obstacle, ask God for wisdom and do something about it. Ask God for the right people to come in your life. I feel like Jeff, Jeff Booth is the right person to come in your life. If you need wisdom, that's, ob- that's an obstacle. Ask God for the right people, ask God for the right books to read, but there needs to be intentional movement. With that prayer, you need to dig deeper into if that is an obstacle in your spiritual formation. Because if you stop when it starts to get hard, if you shy away from difficult questions, or if you become fearful about what actually might show up if you dig deeper, if that is breaking the the unity between how you love God with all of your mind, I can guarantee you that that complacency and that avoidance will kill your faith much more effectively than a difference of opinion. Are you loving God with all of your mind? What about our strength? Are we loving God with all of our strength? And that word in the Bible means all of your might, all of the things that you are doing. How strong are we feeling right now, church? Do you feel physically strong, emotionally strong, or are you feeling weary, spiritually weary? God tells us this time and time again, especially through the Old Testament, to be strong and be courageous and go forth in strength and victory. You can do all things, the Bible says. But the offer for that runs deeper because the invitation is to be able to do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And the law tells us that we can live righteously, We can live righteously ourselves with the one true God when we make the right sacrifices and we behave righteously as a person, when we don't falter for a second from loving God with all of our hearts, our soul, our mind, our strength, and we love our neighbours as ourselves. But if we fail, and when we fail, and when we fall short, and perhaps this morning after the prayer we've prayed together, you might be acutely aware that that is the truth for you instead. You might have an inward reflection and think, I actually do fall short. My heart is not in a good condition. My mind is not in the right place. My strength wavers daily. We need another way because we cannot earn our way into, into the um, relationship with the Father. Our hearts are too fickle and our minds are too easily influenced and our strength is constantly wavering, but there, there is one who wasn't. Jesus came into this world to fulfil every command, to obey every law, and by His life, His death, and His resurrection, He broke every stronghold that forbids a relationship between us and a holy God who created the world. And with that, He invites us into the fold. What a miracle. He invites us into the covenant that is marked by freedom and liberation and grace. And that is a promise for us this morning, church. 2 Peter verse 1 says this. 2 Peter chapter 1 says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these things, He has given us His very great and precious promises So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. It starts with faith and it ends with love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our lord jesus christ and i felt so strongly in preparing this message through the, through the whole week through last week to encourage those of you who might be facing a crisis of morality. You might be finding yourself at a crossroads where you can make a decision and you cannot see a way out that is not compromising the life that God has called you to. You say, I've tried everything this way. I've tried everything this way and it does not work. It has not worked and it will not work. If you're in a position where something needs to be done and the only way out is to compromise that, God has given you Everything you need to be able to walk through this season on the narrow path. You are uniquely equipped and you are perfectly positioned to bring light into our community. To persevere with supernatural strength. Strength that doesn't come from your own might and your own will and your own determination. But supernatural strength. You are perfectly positioned to bring truthfulness, to bring truthfulness and life-giving kindness into your workplace. You can do it despite feeling how battered you are and how resistant everyone is to you. Because you go with Jesus. Because you seek the one God, the one Lord. Every part of your life is unified so that you can carry reconciliation. You carry a testimony that speaks of transformation that comes with Jesus. And when you consider yourself, you might see a heart that is torn between God and your own desires. And when you see your mind, you might just see your own corruption and your own regression back into your old ways. And when you consider your strength that might see weakness, when you consider your strength, you might just see your weakness. Weak and weak and weak, and you try and fail and try and fail. But who could love someone like that? When we consider ourselves inside, who could love someone like this if they knew all of this happening? There is only one who can see it all and who could love it all. And that is the one God. The the Lord our God is the only God. And we have the opportunity to step into relationship with Him. So I'm gonna close in prayer. The band is gonna come up. And if you feel like the Lord has brought something to the front of your mind that you need to repent for, take that opportunity. If you feel like the, if you feel like God has brought something to your mind where you have been holding on to it for years, whether that is in your heart, in your mind, or something that is holding back your strength, bring it before Him as an offering. because there, as the um, the teacher talking to Jesus said, loving God in that way and loving others in that way is far better than sacrifices and burnt offerings." And the only way that is true is because we have the ultimate offering and the ultimate sacrifice and that comes in the form of Jesus who laid his life down so we can have a unified relationship with the Father. So church, would you join me in prayer? Lord, the offering that we present before you is one of repentance and of thankfulness, Lord. As we bring to the forefront of our mind the things that inhibit a unified relationship between us and you, God, I pray you would take it off us. And like Dane said, that we would receive forgiveness for it. We are sorry for the things that have come between us that have fragmented our desires as we have attempted our own spiritual formation, Lord. I pray that the redemption of Jesus would be real in each of us, whether we are um, only just beginning that path or whether somewhere along the last few years, we have regressed to a place where we have tried to rely on our own strength and shied away when it gets hard, Lord. I pray we would accept with faith the sacrifice that is the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And with it, God, you would bring those fragments and bring it to, to unity, Lord. Like you did with Jesus' body, you would reconcile us. And you would... Um, resurrect us. You would bring us back to life. You would put us back together so that we may be productive and effective in the work that you have given us. I believe each of us is carrying a knowledge of our unique purpose. And I pray that that would be infused with confidence that you have perfectly positioned us, given everything we need to be able to do what we are called to do, whether that is through parenthood or working or friendship or community work, Lord, I pray that we would go with the strength and the power that comes from the Lord, the one Lord who created and ordered the entire world. And we would accept your invitation, Jesus. In your mighty name, amen.